Oh, Father, what a beautiful night that you've given to us as we recount the coming of Jesus Christ into the world some 2,000 years ago to do a marvelous thing. Lord, I pray that this night would be special to all those that are here, that we would go forth from this place knowing that we have heard from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Christmas is a time when we often think about perhaps the more gentle things about the person of Jesus Christ. We think about him being born in a manger, this harmless baby who was to come, this one who would be uh, coming in such gentleness that a bruised reed he shall not break, as the prophet Isaiah says. So there is certainly this peace and calmness about the entrance of Jesus Christ into the world, at least initially, and then as, he, as the years go by, he enters into public ministry, people are still wondering, well, who is this Jesus person? And as he comes, he comes and does some great things. He does uh, many healings of people who come to him with all of their sick. Those that are troubled by evil spirits, they come and he casts them out. And he talks about this person of who he is in terms of he is the Christ, the Son of God. We looked this morning at him calling himself the bridegroom, again, a very positive term, one of joy and intimacy that he is bringing. We talked about this morning that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, the one who will give rest for the weary soul. And so all of those things, they talk about Jesus in this very uh, joyous way, this positive light, this gentle figure that has come on the scene to just do great and wonderful and marvelous things things. But if we're looking closely, we'll read that Jesus is not only this mild and meek person, there's more to Him than that. And even in those cases where He is telling the people about these marvelous things that He's going to do, there are hints of something resting deep beyond. So even as this morning, if you were here, we looked at Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 And three, Jesus is being confronted about His practice of the Sabbath and how His disciples don't seem to practice it the same way that others do, who were very strict in the way that they tried to practice it. And in response, He tells them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was meant to be a blessing to man, not a burden. But then He says something interesting in verse 28, the very last verse of Mark chapter 2. He says, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And this morning we were focusing on what does that mean to be Lord of the Sabbath? I mean, He is the one who is in the place of God to give the rest that only God can give. But what we skipped over that I want to talk about more tonight is the first part of that phrase when He says, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Because in that phrase there are hints of something greater about to burst the scenes. Where does that phrase come from, the Son of Man? It comes from the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 7. In verse 13 and 14, in the midst of a vision that the prophet Daniel is having. Daniel, if you're not sure who that is, Daniel is a prophet who lived at the time when Israel had been exiled from their home country. After God had brought them out of Egypt, He had settled them into the land of Israel, but they had been unfaithful to God for centuries until finally He brought countries to conquer them, to carry them away into exile. In in the case of of Judah, he, He had brought the Babylonians to come forth and carry them into exile. And Daniel was one of those carried into exile. And while he lived in Babylon, God 
used him in mighty ways and spoke to him in visions. And this is one of those visions that he tells us. Verse 13 and 14, he says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and it was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Now, this particular vision where he mentions the Son of Man who is coming comes on the heels of talking about several other nations that will rise and will fall, eventually giving way to this one that will be an eternal kingdom ruled by this figure of the Son of Man. Now, it describes the Son of Man, interestingly, as one who is with the clouds of heaven, who comes on the clouds of heaven. Now, that should be language that we have heard before, whether we're looking in the New Testament or the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it's language associated with God Himself, when God would come in mighty fury to bring judgment upon the nations. So, for example, in Isaiah chapter 19, verse 1, he writes this, "'An oracle concerning Egypt, behold, the Lord is riding on a swift cloud and comes to Egypt.'" And the idols of Egypt will tremble at His presence, and the heart of the Egyptians will melt within them. In Psalm 18, beginning in verse 6, In my distress I called upon the Lord, to my God I cried for help. From His temple He heard my voice, and my cry to Him reached His ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked, the foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked, because He was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him. Thick clouds, dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds." And in the New Testament, we come to similar terms. For example, in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 7, Behold, He is coming, now speaking of Jesus, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Even so, amen. This Son of Man figure hidden under all of these wonderful, nice things that Jesus is doing, is hinting that in order to accomplish these things, Jesus can't only be meek and mild. There is a time when Jesus is going to come like God Himself, riding on the clouds of heaven, bringing His fury and judgment as a conquering King. Even in that passage that we looked at when He's referring to the Son of Man as Lord of the Sabbath, and you think about, well, what exactly is the Sabbath? The Sabbath was a gift that God had given to the Israelites for them to practice, but the idea is that there one day there will be a time when Israel itself will enter into a final Sabbath. When they enter into the promised land, their time of wandering will give way to a time of rest in the land of promise. Joshua was the one meant to usher them into that promised land, into that rest. But if we read the writer of Hebrews, especially in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, he talks about that rest, talking about how Israel, though Joshua had brought them into the promised land, they had not finally entered that rest, for they had not finally been the people that God had intended them to be. 
there still awaits a final Sabbath rest for the people of God. But the comparison is there. There is a greater Joshua, and that is Jesus, the Son of Man, riding on the clouds of heaven, who is going to do what Joshua was doing as he brought the people to the border of the promised land. And if you're familiar with that story, he led them across the Jordan River and began to conquer city after city in the land of the Canaanites, that he might purify the land and make it a place for his people to dwell. There is a new heavens and a new earth coming. That is Jesus' ultimate goal, is to prepare the way and to usher in this new heavens and this new earth. And in order to do that, he comes riding on the clouds as a conquering Joshua to usher in his people into the ultimate promised land of the new heavens and the new earth. So Christmas is a cheery time. We are meant to think about this humble, gentle baby Jesus lying in a manger, but it's not the only thing we need to be thinking about. We also need to take note that Jesus isn't only this little baby in a manger. He is also a conquering king who will one day ride on the clouds to bring judgment, to make this new heavens, this this earth into a new earth and a new heavens, a promised land for his people. So as you think about Christmas, I want you to think about both of those aspects. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are grateful that Jesus was not only meek and mild, but he was also, he is also to be this great conquering king. And while there still awaits a Sabbath rest for the people of God, we know that that time has not yet come because he is patient, not willing that any that belong to him should perish. And so today is a day that if we hear his voice, we are to respond and put our faith in him. Lord, we pray that as this Christmas season rolls around tomorrow, that you would remind us of this great wonder that lies ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.